Taiwan reported 39 new local COVID infections on Wednesday, marking the 13th day in a row with fewer than 100 cases. So far in the vaccine campaign, 11.45% of people have received at least one dose of a two-dose course. President Tsai Ing-wen says the goal is to reach 20 to 25% coverage by the end of July. Let's hear from her. We hope that by the end of July, vaccine coverage can expand to 20 or 25 percent of the population. That would be beneficial toward our epidemic prevention efforts. Today and tomorrow, we will be receiving two more shipments of AstraZeneca vaccines. I urge everyone to get vaccinated, to improve herd immunity and allow us all to return to our normal lives soon. This afternoon, a shipment of 620,000 AstraZeneca vaccines arrived from Thailand, part of Taiwan's direct order with the manufacturer. This was the ninth delivery of COVID vaccines Taiwan has received so far. More AstraZeneca vaccines are due to arrive within 24 hours, a donation from Japan. By Thursday, Taiwan will have received more than 7 million vaccine doses in total. An experimental COVID drug developed by a Taiwanese firm has been granted emergency use authorization by the country's FDA. According to early phase two results, the drug candidate called Hosina can prevent the development of dangerous inflammatory responses in mild and moderate COVID cases. On Wednesday, the drug developer donated 100 doses of Hosina for use at National Taiwan University Hospital. With COVID on the rampage worldwide, researchers are focused not just on vaccines, but treatments for the disease. Taiwan's Golden Biotechnology Corporation is working on a COVID treatment called Hosina. It's been approved by Taiwan's Food and Drug Administration for compassionate use, and it was donated to National Taiwan University Hospital on Wednesday. More importantly, it is an immune system modulator that can prevent cytokine storms, so it has considerable potential for treating patients with COVID-19. NTU Hospital Superintendent Wu Mingxian personally accepted the donation. Let's break down the COVID therapies available today. Remdesivir and steroids are used on severely ill patients, whereas monoclonal antibodies are used on adults age 55 and up to prevent them from developing a severe illness. Hosina is a candidate for treating mild and moderate COVID symptoms. Taiwan has discontinued the use of remdesivir because it hasn't been shown to reduce the mortality rate. As for monoclonal antibodies, the therapy has been used on a total of 64 cases for the prevention of severe illness. Hosina is taken orally instead of by injection, making it easier to administer. We have what is possibly the only drug in the world that treats the inflammatory response of pneumonia induced by the virus. It's been shown that by the time a patient is severely ill, the effect of many drugs is greatly reduced. Therefore, there are a lot of drugs in development that are aimed at controlling symptoms while the patient is still a mild or moderate case. Hosina is undergoing phase two clinical trials in the U.S., Peru and Argentina, where a total of 174 patients are enrolled. Based on early results, it's been authorized for emergency use in Taiwan. When phase two results come out in September, the developer plans to apply for approval from the U.S. FDA in hopes of launching another tool in the arsenal against COVID. 
Huanan Market in Taipei's Wanhua District is open once again after undergoing large-scale disinfection due to a COVID outbreak. But even with gates open and vendors ready, customers have proved slow to return. Let's go inside the market that's struggling to make a comeback. It's the second day since the reopening of Huanan Market. Shoppers are still scarce, well outnumbered by vendors. They took big bundles of groceries, enough to last a long while. In a show of support for their local market, the Rotary Club donated disease prevention equipment through a Taipei counselor. Before entering the market, shoppers must first pass through this walk-through sanitation gate. First, you get your temperature checked and your hands disinfected. Then, you can step into the gate. A light will turn on above your head as you step on a floor mat that disinfects the soles of your shoes. A disinfection gate like this one can cost 140,000 NT. This market will eventually receive eight, one for each entrance. Huanan Market is doing all it can to bring back customers after its three-day COVID shutdown. Although the city is giving subsidies of 5,000 NT for each day, it's small consolation for some vendors. Each vendor's revenue is different. It all depends on the type of stand and of their business model and so on. I have no way of assessing the situation in terms of vendor losses and revenue. Each vendor has lost at least 10,000 NT per day. Of course, we'll also come up with some revitalization projects or promotional campaigns to restore consumers' trust in Huanan market. But other vendors say that in this difficult time, they're satisfied with the current subsidies. Opinions vary, but all agree that they look forward to the market's return to normalcy. The level three pandemic restrictions have spelled trouble for many businesses in the food and drink sector. Across Taipei, established restaurants are folding under the financial strain caused by a ban on dining in. For Musa News, reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. Taipei's Yongkang Street used to be bustling with tourists and locals out enjoying its diverse food scene. But the start of Level 3 restrictions in May dealt a hard blow to the area, forcing several restaurants to close. Over here on Yongkang Street, at least six stores have closed since June. One of them is this Greek restaurant called Greekgo, which has been operating here for 30 years. Six businesses in the Dongmen Yongkang Business District closed in June, and I've heard that one or two more will close by the end of the month. The biggest problem is there are no customers. In May, the number of visitors dropped by nearly half compared to April, down to just 370,000 people. Stores are selling frozen meals and takeout lunch boxes. Stores that did not make bento in the past are now making bento boxes. They're making changes. At the association, we're also helping members apply for government subsidies and loans. Elsewhere in Taipei, the award-winning number one food theater has also had to close up shop. The number one food theater is the first granary to be repurposed as a restaurant. However, due to the pandemic, the restaurant closed on June 25th. The number one food theater was a unique feature of Taipei's fine dining scene. Housed in a granary built in the 1940s, the restaurant ran an organic produce shop on the side. The establishment was recognized for its cuisine by the Michelin Guide, obtaining bid gourmand status in 2018 and 2019. On its last day of operations, many patrons turned up to bid the restaurant farewell. 
就是刚好家住附近，然后知道这里要歇业了。I happened to live nearby, and when I found out that it was going to close, I was very sad. Since only takeout is available during the pandemic, my family and I would come here to buy a bento box. We love the food here. I look forward to seeing how this space will be developed and managed in the future. Taiwan's ban on dining in has left many restaurants in a bind, as their only income is takeout and delivery sales. Many eateries have suspended operations, while some have closed the doors permanently. As uncertainties hang on the horizon, the restaurant industry is saying goodbye to some of its brightest luminaries. For most of news, Stephanie Yang, Lu Boutong in Taipei. Taiwan tech firms are getting creative to get their staff vaccinated. Memory storage maker A Data plans to charter a flight to Guam so that employees can get advantage of the island's vaccination and vacation program. Yageo Corporation, a passive component supplier, says it's encouraging its staff to get inoculated on the company's dime while they're overseas on business trips. Yagil Corporation convened its shareholder meeting on Wednesday. Amid the pandemic, a local company is chartering a vaccine tourism flight for its employees. When asked if Yagil Corporation would do the same, the company said it was also encouraging employees to get vaccinated. If any of our employees has to go abroad on a business trip, we will encourage them to go and get vaccinated during the trip. The company will pay the cost of the trip and the vaccine. Yagio says employees on business trips are encouraged to get vaccines while overseas, all on the company's dime. At other shareholder meetings held on Wednesday, major tech firms struck a cautious tone when discussing the pandemic. We'll implement stricter epidemic prevention protocols to ensure smooth company operations. In addition to that, we will keep in close communication with our clients and partners in the supply chain. We'll adjust our resources depending on the situation at all times to make sure manufacturing and shipping continue running smoothly. The pandemic has spread a rapid digital transition, which has resulted in substantial growth for the semiconductor market. This situation, in which semiconductor output is not enough to meet demand, could last into 2023. The tech firms at Shenzhou Science Park are vital to Taiwan's economy. The park's administrator released details of its vaccination plan for employees. Big companies with more than 1,000 employees will get their own vaccination clinic on site. Smaller firms will be able to access a vaccination center in the park. In a recent survey, 100% of the firms showed interest in the plan. To keep production going, staff will be vaccinated in rounds. Completing vaccination could take three to four days for some companies. The timing of vaccine administration will depend on the arrangements of the Central Epidemic Command Center. We've also asked firms to plan out the order of vaccination for their employees. More than 150,000 people work at the more than 500 companies in Shenzhou Science Park, and the start date will be announced by the central government. Nurses in Shenzhou are singing the praises of a new innovation in hospital technology. A new smart bed pad uses fiber optics to monitor a patient's condition while they lie in bed. It sends the information straight to nurses, helping them monitor many patients at a safe distance. The hospital in Shenzhou, where it was launched, hopes the invention could reduce risks for staff as well as patients. It looks like a normal white bed pad laid beneath the pillow or sheet. It's thin enough to go without notice when you lie down, but it's no ordinary sheet. 
we can see the state of the patient's breathing in real time on our screen. We had a patient who said to us, Goodness, your nurses are so incredible. You knew it as soon as I coughed or I wasn't sleeping soundly. So professional. Our nurses were all delighted to receive such feedback. This smart fiber optics bed pad works with a 24-hour automatic care system. The patient's stats, including breathing, sleeping, coughing, and movement, all appear on the nurse's screen, allowing them to spot abnormalities from far off and reducing the burden of continuous ward rounds. It can reduce the requirements for nurses to go on and off wards to monitor patients, including the PPE they must put on and take off, as well as the infection risks involved in contact with the patients. At the same time, the patients are also receiving extremely prompt protection for their safety. A technology company worked with NTU Hospital Shinju branch to introduce the system. Doctors say it's a blessing for both patients and nurses. Our smart fiber optics bed pad is only two centimeters thick. It's a non-invasive fiber optics monitoring system based on NFOPT technology and can continuously monitor the patient's health and safety, providing an alert when there's an irregularity. It doesn't wait until the blood oxygen is already below 94% and it's very serious. It warns you in advance. The system is suitable for use in care homes as well as hospitals. It's easy to install and remove and doesn't cause patients any discomfort. Nurses say it could become a great help for them, especially if patient numbers grow. Taiwan's COVID outbreak struck nearly two months ago. In the time since, many countries have extended a helping hand with Japan and the U.S. donating vaccines. Help and support have also come from individual cities. Recently, the Korean city of Gumi shipped 30,000 medical grade masks to Taoyuan, its sister city. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan thanked Gumi for the donation via video conference. He expressed hope that once the pandemic comes to an end, the two cities will continue to deepen their friendship through exchanges. Boxes of medical supplies are labeled with the words, Korea's Gumi City cheers on Taoyuan. Stacked high inside Taoyuan City Hall, these cartons contain Korean-made medical masks, a total of 30,000 pieces. Due to the pandemic, a physical donation ceremony couldn't be held. Instead, the mayors of Taoyuan and Gumi held one virtually. Jun expressed appreciation for this timely aid from Taoyuan's sister city. This is what sister cities are all about. My hope is that this mass donation symbolizes the friendship between Taiwan and South Korea and their unity in their fight against the pandemic. Thank you very much to our sister city, Gumi. Jen said that at the start of Taiwan's outbreak in May, the mayor of Gumi had sent a letter expressing concern for Taoyuan. Due to their shared industries, Taoyuan and Gumi forged sister city ties five years ago. They've had varied exchanges in technology, culture, sports and other fields. Joining hands to battle COVID has deepened the friendship of the two cities, Zheng said. When we were hit by an outbreak this year, other countries were quick to express their concern and extend a helping hand. I believe that this is a validation of Taiwan's existence. I hope that in the future, through further city-to-city exchanges, Taiwan and South Korea can grow closer. We are here in Nonsan, Republic of Korea. All of Nonsan's people, public officials and myself are cheering for everyone in Taoyuan. 
In addition to Gumi extending a helping hand, the mayor of Nonsan, another of Taoyuan's sister cities, recorded a video conveying concern for the Taiwanese city. The pandemic knows no borders, and cities worldwide are reaching out to one another in solidarity. The pandemic has been harsh on retail, but car salesmen have concocted lots of ways to tailor their marketing to those who need a COVID-safe option. From socially distant one-on-one viewings to online tours and cars delivered to your house for a trial, it's all on offer. Let's find out what you can expect if you're buying new wheels during COVID. This spacious car showroom is totally shut for several hours for a private viewing. To put potential buyers at ease, the sales associate cleans and re-cleans the driver's seat and handles. Before the pandemic broke out, on Saturdays or Sundays, we would normally have six or seven groups of customers come to the showroom. Now, to adapt to having to shut the room for a booked viewings, we only have one or two groups a day to make sure there are no overlaps. But that's not all. For potential buyers who don't want to come to the venue, an associate will bring a car straight to your house. Or you can book a live tour online. The salesman circles the car with the camera, explaining in detail all the features of the new model. No matter what level of social distancing you need, these guys have a car they're just dying to show you. At another showroom, the salesman takes no contact to the extreme. Hazmat suit and full face mask on, he cleans the vehicle meticulously. There's still no end in sight to the pandemic, but these car salesmen won't let it cramp their style.